Oi, tudo bem? This is Brazuca Sounds, hosted and produced by Leandro Vignoli. How's it going, everybody? Happy holidays and welcome to Brazuca Sounds, the last of this year during the entire 2021. I've been putting out some specials about records released in 1971, completing 50 years. There is a book in Brazil by Sally Albuquerque called 1973, the year that reinvented the Brazilian music. But I really think 1971 was one of the years that kind of set the stage for this so-called reinvention. And many of those records I showed you with specials. More recently, Chico Buarque's Construção, Jorge Ben's Negro e Lindo, but also albums by Roberto Carlos, Erasmo Carlos, Mutantes, Jardim Elétrico, Elisa Gina, Caetano Gil, many, many records. And to finish it off this year, I am bringing you 10 other great records released in that year of 1971. So get ready and let's go! Let's start it off with this record by Os Diagonais, a group that have a very short spell. They release only two records, and this is the second record, of course, released in 1971. Kind of set the stage to the Black Rio movement that, as I told you in a different episode, would only consolidate in the mid to late 70s in Brazil. But in 71, we were having a lot of great records, like the debut of Tony Tornado, the record by Don Salvador and Abolição, the record debut of Cassiano. And talking about Cassiano, Cassiano used to be part of Os Diagonizing their first record, but then he left the band. For this particular record here, called Cada Um Na Sua, it was really led by his brother, Camarão, the shrimp, and the main vocalist of the group, Amaru. Cassiano's brother, by the way, he was pretty much famous by his vocals on the Tim Maia song Coronet Antonio Bento from Tim Maia's first record released in 1970 and obviously Os Diagonais were doing all this mix of funk, soul music and also Brazilian rhythms which pretty much led Tim Maia to kind of use Os Diagonais in a lot of tracks of Tim Maia's debut album unfortunately remain uncredited and something that Os Diagonais really really didn't like Oh, 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 oh,
So I have an article here from April 71 written in the magazine Amiga where Os Diagonais heckling their most famous friend. Tim Maia hired us as the backup band for his tour, but we were never paid because we didn't sign the contract. We were all friends. We didn't even get the money for transportation back home. Then, a couple of months after we read in the news that he had bought a house in Leblon. What's the deal there? And by Leblon, they mean a very fancy neighborhood in Rio de Janeiro up to this day. So it's kind of interesting that Os Diagonais were having all this beef against Team Maya, which by the way later on really recognized that Os Diagonais were really a good part of his repertoire, but was not his own fault that the group became uncredited. It was more like a record label decision. But all that being said, Os Diagonais record is a great record all around. Proto Black Real Funk and Motown sounds. It's kind of a very obscure record, but just great top to bottom. And like I said during this entire show so far, they really set up what Tim Maia was also doing at the time. Not only in his first record, but also in his second record that was released in 1971. <laughs> It's kind of a bold statement, but I really think this sophomore album of TMI is my favorite record of him. It kind of goes unleashed compared to his debut album. A lot of great songwriting, a lot of great arrangements, on top of a lot of great hits as well. So unlike his debut album that was little more controlled by the record label, he wrote all the songs with exception of two in the record, including Você, my favorite team song, the most beautiful song ever recorded in Brazilian music. So Tim Mai starts singing very low, calm, almost melancholic, until everything explodes like in higher notes. Equally, the band, the arrangements, but also Tim Maia's voice. Meu amor. His change of tunes here, just marvelous voice, beautiful, give me goosebumps 
every time I listen to it. And this chorus of the song Você is probably one of the most famous lines in the history of Brazilian music. It's from this record, probably the most famous Tim Maia song, Não Quero Dinheiro, maybe not for the international audience, but for the Brazilian audience. This song here, Não Quero Dinheiro, it is the song more executed in live concerts in Brazil in the last 10 years. On top of this great hit and this entire songwriting of Tim Maia, he also included three English lyrics something absolutely unusual in Brazilian music at the time and this day too. The most of the Brazilian population, they don't really uh, speak English, but it was kind of his long life dream, singing like an American crooner, like this song over here. Just out of curiosity, the album cover of this second album of Team Maia was designed by Aldo Luiz, who at that same year also designed the cover albums of Erasmo Carlos, the album Carlos Erasmo, Construção by Chico Buarque, which was our previous podcast, and also Negro e Lindo by George Ben. So this designer Aldo Luis was on fire in 1971 and who also was on fire is our next singer over here the one and only Gal Costa Quando você me ouvir chorar Tente não cante Não conte comigo So this is the live album by Gal Costa, Fatal, A Todo Vapor, one of the first double albums in Brazilian music history. The album was very rushed by the record label. Uh, the tour started in November. The album was put out in the stores in December of 1971. It was really a spirit of the time, like a post-tropicalia symbol. Brazilian dictatorship already took off many artists being exiled. Uh, the first part of the show is very melancholic. It is just Gal Costa and her acoustic guitar. Like this song here, for instance, Como Dois e Dois, written by Catano Veloso as a gift to Roberto Carlos, who recorded that song also in 1971. Meu amor, tudo very much inspired by João Gilberto, which, according to the legend, went to a bunch of the shows of the tour. And also, according to an interview that Gal Costa gave earlier this year, 
2021 to the newspaper Folha de São Paulo, she asked João Gilberto what he liked the most about the concert at the time, and he said something like, the rock part. And she always wondered why, and it was perhaps João Gilberto implicitly telling her that Gal Costa did not play the guitar very well. And, and by rock part, the second part was more like potent. It was more like a rock and roll band, more like a Janis Joplin kind of vibe. A really jazz rock power trio conducted by the anonymous hero guitar player of Brazil, Lenny Gordon. Album, this recording is, is very live. There's no overdubs. You have a feeling of a real live event, almost like a bootleg of sorts. One of the songs here, Hotel das Estrelas, look at this part, you can really hear kind of a feedback noise, very, very strong. And this transition was really made by the song Vapor Barato, written by Jades Macalé, became really a countercultural anthem in Brazil. It starts very acoustically. It is a very hippie song. The name of the song, Vapor Barato, the cheap vapor, really refers to the marijuana's smoke. It's pretty much a diss on the military government at the time. And it's kind of amazing that this song was never actually censored by the dictatorship at the time. That was Gal Costa said in this same interview to the Folha de São Paulo newspaper. I was having a career during censorship where nobody really censored me. It was like they were not paying much attention after Caetano and Jill had left the country in exile. This record today is considered one of the most impactful live albums of Brazilian music history, but on October 1971, the opening night of the tour of Fatal... On the newspaper Correio da Manhã from Rio de Janeiro, an article appeared with the headline Songs Changed, but the show is old and bad. And that only shows how uh, perceptions only change uh, through time. And that is what it says in the opening sentence of that article. Gal Costa sang all the songs that she knew. However, it didn't seem like she knew how to. There was no emotion. Everything seemed improvised. It's a very, very critic article, as you can see. And then he finally concludes. It was not possible to talk to Gal after her show. Her entourage, at least, works very well. But we know that she can only say something through Caetano, Jill. So most likely she had nothing to say. <laughs> very, very harsh. Of course, this was the opinion of only one 
journalists, many other articles and journalists, even at the time in 1971, really praised this live album record of Gal Costa today is pretty much considered one of the best live albums of Brazilian music history. And it's always one of those lists of top 50 Brazilian albums of all time. And talking about misrepresentation, our next album and artist really suffered with that in the beginning of his career as well. So Ivan Lins was always like a great pianist. This record here, Agora, was Ivan Lins' debut album and it was really, really successful. It is the record where Ivan Lins recorded Madalena, which it is a song that became very, very famous with Elis Regina. And this record too, it is arranged by the maestro Artur Verocai, but unfortunately what really made Ivan Lins kind of fall into this race was this next song over here, which was like a big hit of the album, O Amor É O Meu País. Amor é meu país really means the love is my country. And the problem is, in 1971, the country, it was not really country anymore. Like, having love for your country meant for your government, right? The dictatorship government. Uh, and to make things worse, Ivan Lins was in the army, which also did not contribute with the perception of a lot of people thinking that Ivan Lins was really saluting the government at the time. He was also hosting a television show on Global TV, which is a subtest that he was like, the pretty boy who is not talking smack about Brazil, which, just to be clear here, was very, very unfair. Ivan Lins always said that there was anything political about that song in any way. It was not even him who wrote that song. All the songs in this album are credit to him and his partner Ronaldo, but mostly Ronaldo wrote these lyrics while Ivan Lins only wrote the songs. But anyway, that's how that song was perceived at the time, especially by uh, the intellectual leftists of the country. This album is like extremely jazzy and so very inspired by the North American sounds, more or less like a Stevie Wonder of sorts. And meanwhile, even Liz was struggling with the critics of the leftists. Like, the record label was really trying to capitalize on his successful performance of the album Sales, and they released a second album also in 1971. It's called Deixa o Trem Seguir, again, arranged 
by the maestro Artur Verakai, and that particular song, the self-titled track, to me was one of the most beautiful songs of the 70s in Brazil. So if you like Artur Verakai's solo album from 1972, an album that became very cult lately, especially among the international audience, this album here by Ivan Lis is definitely the blueprint for that album. I strongly recommend it. Calmaria por neurose Campo por cidade grande Os seus pais e seus amigos Por estranhos não se troca Os seus pais e seus amigos Por estranhos não se troca Since we're talking about a pianist here, let's go to another one, one of the greatest in Brazil. Como por dinheiro, até jogar no chão meu corpo inteiro. Eu vou morar no centro da cidade. Eu não conheço nem minha cidade. So this is Marcos Valle. I talked about him many, many times in different opportunities in the Brazuca Sounds podcast. And this is his record, Garra, which continues the new sound Marcos Valle was exploring. Uh, his music leans less and less and less toward the traditional bossa nova, which he was attached to in the beginning of his career. This record here has strong horns and string parts. Coisas como amor e as coisas claras como a luz do sol e o tempo que eu perdi. Way more orchestral and lyrics-wise, this album obviously carries a lot of metaphors and messages related to the Brazilian dictatorship. So Gaia is a very versatile record with so many different layers and genres. Like it's kind of a bossa experimentalism, soul, jazz, funk. And Marcos Valle, of course, is a very well-skilled producer as well. Like for instance, this next song here, Que Bandeira. Quase um ano faz que eu tenho muita paz Quase um ano tem e tudo muito bem E se eu não voltar, não vai se preocupar Todo mundo tem direito de mudar Que bandeira que você deu Que bandeira não me entendeu Caritice The way Marcos Valle sings the bridge, it really resembles like a percussion instrument, something like the chica 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 this part here. Sigo te querendo, te cantando, procurando, mas desculpa te querendo mais. Vou te cantando, te querendo, procurando, mas desculpa te cantando mais. 
sigo te querendo, te cantando, procurando uma desculpa, te querendo mais. Right? It really sounds like a percussion instrument, the way he sings. It is gorgeous, very, very smart. Yeah, of course, works better if you understand Portuguese, but I think you got the idea. This song, Que Bandeira, is one of the many songs recorded by other artists that year in 1971. No older than six songs from Gaia became famous that year in other albums. Que Bandeira was recorded by Evinha in her album Cartão Postal. Talked about this record in the episode 12. The song Black is Beautiful was recorded by Elis Regina. I also talked about that record and that song in the episode 7. The song 26 Anos de Vida Normal was recorded by Erasmo Carlos in that year. Talked about that song and record in the episode 13 and the more Bolsonaro of it all com mais de 30 Não confie em ninguém com mais de 30 anos As I was saying, was also recorded by a different artist in that same year. And in my opinion, it's even a better version. And I'm talking about the singer, Claudia. So this is Claudia, or Claudia, a very rough post-tropicalia version of Com Mais de 30, written by Marcos Valle. Claudia really struggled during her career by the comparison with Elise Regina, or to better put it, the media really used to call her a copycat. And once Claudia was even extremely hissed during a presentation, in a TV show hosted by Elise Regina herself, and it all felt very, very unfair. This is what Claudia wrote in her autobiography release in 2020. I don't even know how I was able to sing, really, and the hecklers didn't stop there. On the next day, the biggest newspaper published that I was opportunistic, and I wanted to take Elise Regina's job. I was 21 years old, and six months later, I was singing to a couple of dozen people as a retaliation from that episode. I almost quit singing. And this album here by Claudia, released in 1971, Jesus Cristo, is just marvelous. The main song of the album, it is the self-titled track written by Roberto Carlos, a very religious Song, of course, the name of the song is Jesus Christ. So, this record is like a bunch of covers, really, but very well done was produced by Renato Correa of the band Golden Boys. 
And to be quite honest, the three Claudia albums released by Odeon Records are very, very great. Not only this one, but also the subsequent album Deixa Eu Dizer from 1973, until the record label kind of fired her to put their money on a new singer, the great Clara Nunes. So Claudia kind of always stayed in the middle of these little battles, first Elisa Gina, then Clara Nunes. She kind of never took off and became as famous compared to those two singers. But another very good track from this album here is Mudei de Ideia, written by Antonio Carlos e Jocafi, which is where we're gonna make the transition for our next album from 1971. So we're gonna listen a little bit of the song with the Claudia version and right after already the original version by the composers Antonio Carlos e Jocafi. <laughs> Carlos e Jocafi were a very successful and famous uh, Brazilian writing duo. They were born in Bahia and they became prominent composers for mostly Brazilian soap opera soundtracks that were just booming in the 1970s. But they also put out a lot of their own records, like this one here, Mudei de Ideia, originally released on the RCA Victor in 1971. It was the duo's debut long play and it's pretty much like a post-tropicalia samba funk northeast sounds like Forró and Bayon, even Afrobeats. This record was reissued recently by the English label Mr. Bongo. The guitar player on this record, it, I mentioned the guy before, is the anonymous hero of Brazilian rock and roll music, Lenny Gordon. In Brazil, the famous song were always uh, Desacato. Inofensivo aquele amor Que nem sequer se acomodou This song, Disacato, even later on made the record label put a second version of the album cover just with the photograph of the duo pressed to include on the cover album the single, Disacato. Another very famous song from the record is Você Abusou, that was even played by Stevie Wonder and his tour in Brazil in 2011. Você abusou, tirou partido de mim, abusou. 
Antonio Carlos and Jocafi really, over time, became very obscured in Brazil. It, they are mostly non-biting international audience. They kind of got a new life in the 2000s when the Brazilian famous rapper Marcelo de Dois sampled the track Cabaluere, the most funk of it all in this record. An overall great record released by Antonio Carlos e Jocafi in 1971. And now we're gonna go to one duo to another. kind of songs in what I always call like the psychedelic samba written by Toquinho and Vinicius de Moraes the partnership that really started while both were living still in Europe they even wrote together the song Samba de Orly for, for the Chico Buarque's album Construção and then after that in the early 1970s The partnership, they tour several Brazilian cities and also abroad. And in that same year, in 1971, the duo released also their first official studio, Long Play. One of my favorite songs on the record is really this one on the background, O Canto de Oxum, really a tribute to the Orishas. It's one of those partnerships where everything goes into fruition. Tokyo is like a magnificent acoustic guitar player and of course Vinicius de Moraes, one of the most famous Brazilian songwriters of all time, one of the best contributors to the history of Brazilian bossa and all the many many songs recorded by the Brazilian greats João Gilberto and Tom Jobim were written by Vinicius de Moraes and that partnership with Tokinho really took off in the 1970s they released several, several records but my favorite is still the first one Toquinho and Vinicius, sometimes was Vinicius and Toquinho. They really kept changing the order of the first person on the cover of these albums. Another great contribution in this record here was the participation of the backup band Trio Mokotó, very much associated with Georgie Band. Almost every single percussion instrument in this record here were played by uh, the trio. Obviously, Vinicius de Marais, he died in 1980, cutting short the partnership with Toquinho, obviously going all the way back to 1971. At least in my particular opinion, that was their heyday, their best album recorded in the studio. 
Toquinho e Vinícius. And if we're talking about samba albums released in 1971, that we cannot go out without talking about os originais do samba. Os originais do samba was really a group that kind of put the samba more on the mainstream. All the six members of the group, they were former percussionists on the samba schools of Rio de Janeiro, Mangueira, Portela, Salgueiro. And between 1969 and 1979, they released an album a year. They really made samba more accessible. And exactly by the same reason, many purists at the time, they really didn't like the approach like purists will always do. <laughs> One of the main members of the group was Musum, which if you grew up in Brazil in the 1980s, he was just a comedian. He was part of the sketch group Os Trapalhões. So like myself growing up in the 80s, I had no idea that Musum was actually a samba player, a musician. That was really something that older people knew about Musum. And one guy who really made us originalize the samba more accessible to the mainstream was Jorge Bang. In 1969, they recorded a version of Cadê Teresa that became very famous. And this record here in 1971 is already their fourth album. And again, the greatest hit of the album, it is a song written by Jorge Band, a song never recorded by Jorge Band, was exclusively written to the Os Originais do Samba, the song Tenha Fé, Pois Amanhã Um Dia Lindo Vai Nascer. One thing very interesting about this record, it is was the beginning of a new set of strings in the cavaquinho instrument. The cavaquinho, that Brazilian samba instrument that really resembles like a ukulele. But what they did it at the time was coupling the cavaquinho strings to the banjo so they could amplify the instrument sound. It was something very pioneer at the time. In this record here, it's called Exportação, released in 1971. So obviously, if you like samba and if you like Brazilian music, it is also one of those great records. You really... Você vai ver que amanhã o lindo dia vai nascer. 
From samba to hardcore psychedelic music to finish it off this edition of Brazuca Sounds. This is Antonio Adolfo and his band Abrazuca, like the name of this show here. Abrazuca was mostly a collective, seven members, and it was really like a backup band for Antonio Adolfo. It was a really short spell endeavor. They only recorded two albums, the first one in 1969 and this one here, which is way more psychedelic. Antonio Adolfo obviously was already a very well-known songwriter, very famous by the songs Samarina, popular in the voice of Wilson Simonal. And also the song BR3, very, very popular in the voice of Tony Tornado. is heavily on the piano by Antonio Adolfo. Some prominent guitars too, a percussion blend in African Brazilian rhythms and those kind of jazz structures. It's like a Frank Zappa, although without the satire bullshit. here, Antonio Adolfo e a Brazuca is definitely one of those hidden gems in the history of the Brazilian music. If you go around in Brazil, it's not like a lot of people are going to know about this record in particular or Antonio Adolfo per se which was like a great, great piano and songwriter as I said earlier. After the his band, a Brazuca ceased to exist, he kept putting out very interesting records in the 1970s But anyway, talking specifically about this record here from 1971, it is like a top-notch, psychedelic album overall. Very noisy guitars, a lot of vocal harmonies, spoken words, weird arrangements, birds and whatnot. Thank you. 
All that being said, that was the last Brzezka Sounds of 2021. Hopefully you enjoyed not only this show, but all the other 20 plus this year. Hopefully too, I'm gonna come back in 2022. Happy holidays again. Take care, see you next year. Bye bye. This was Brazuca Sounds with Leandro Vignoli. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Mm-hmm.